Gary, I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems like God is just trying to really hammer something into my head. <laughs> I've, I've experienced that, sure. <laughs> and, you know, so he, he keeps repeating something or I keep getting exposed to something over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And I used to call that coincidence. Yeah, I understand. But not so much anymore. And when you recognize it, it's important because he is trying to tell you something. Exactly. So, you know, so our last podcast we we did, it was called um, uh, Mass Formation, about mass formation psychosis. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's the psychological phenomenon where large numbers of people appear to be hypnotized and then engage in a type of groupthink. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast, you're familiar with that. And I and if you didn't get to hear that one, um, I recommend that you go back and listen to it. Uh, go to the website, uh, TorahTalk21.com. Take a listen to that so that you know what we're talking about. Um, it, it's called, Would You Have Tried to Save the Jews? But since we did that podcast, um, well, in that podcast, you brought up 2 Thessalonians 2, mm-hmm. 10 and 12. And I, I'd, I'd like to just uh, uh, share that verse again with, with you, uh, with the audience. And it says, and with every wicked deception directed against those who are perishing, because they refuse the love of the truth that would have saved them. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie in order that judgment may come upon all who have disbelieved the truth and delighted in wickedness. Mm. Very, very powerful verse. Very powerful. And and that love for the truth is such a, is something that we could talk about, I think, Absolutely. for a long, um, long time. Oh, yeah. So we, um, and so that kind of was sticking in my head and it kept coming back. Um, and so this idea of the strong delusion, this not loving the truth. So literally after we completed that podcast, this verse, this second Thessalonians verse, and this idea of delusion and so forth kept coming back. Okay. I was God trying mm-hmm. to hammer that in my head, uh, videos. I was listening to a rabbi on a different topic and then he talked about it. Um, I even watched a movie with my husband where it, it came up. It was like right in my face. So I'm thinking, okay, since God is hammering this into my brain, I guess we're going to have to talk about this some more. <laughs> <laughs> one 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 podcast was not enough. It was not enough. So so after this, let's talk some more about strong delusions and let's talk Torah. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? Okay, welcome back. Um, so I mentioned that my husband and I were watching a movie. Um, you probably saw this one years ago, made in 2000, the Left Behind movie. Mm-hmm. I read them all, um, and then there was like an audio series, but I'm not sure I ever saw the movie. I don't think I did either. My, I think my wife read the series, uh, but I, I didn't watch I don't the think movies. I watched the movie. Well, Kirk Cameron is mm-hmm. in it, and he looks like he's about 12, honest to God, but that's what, you know, it's like, what? But anyway, there was a scene at the end of the movie that was really stunning and it really brought home this idea of uh, delusion and in in the movie the Kirk Cameron character is at the United Nations Mm -hmm. okay and he's getting ready to go into a meeting with the emerging Antichrist character that Nikolai Carpathia Um, my daughter I was talking about that and she goes interesting very Russian (laughs) what is that (laughs) I said well I guess that's their idea I I don't know Um, uh, but Nikolai Carpathia Um, so so right before he goes into this meeting, um, he he's in the bathroom and he gives his life to Christ, basically. Mm. And and he gets down on the floor and he's just like, God, just show me what you want to show me. Um, you know, what do I do? How do I handle this? I, I have no idea. Okay. So he goes into the meeting and there's about 12 or 15 people there. And the uh, Antichrist character uh, proceeds, you know, not telling the whole plot, to shoot two people in the room, okay, mm-hmm. kills them uh, in cold blood. And then he turns to everybody else and he says, 
uh, so let's let me let's talk about what we just saw. And he tells them a lie about what they just saw, saying that the one guy turned on the other guy, shot him, and then killed himself. Wow. Okay? So they go out of the meeting, and the Kirk Cameron character is goes to a friend he knows and to another man, and he's like, can you believe what we saw? Well, they both repeated exactly what the Antichrist character said. And all of a sudden, he realizes he's the only one that was not deceived about that in the room. Isn't that interesting uh, illustration of what we're talking about? It was really powerful. I was just like, whoa, you know, knock me in the head. So it was that uh, those who were willing to accept the world's lies, willing to be deceived, as this verse says, resisting God's truth, you Mm know, Um, then they were they were deluded. Okay. Uh-huh. Absolutely. It was one of the clearest examples of that, sure. that I've, I've, I've ever seen in a movie. And I don't agree with all the theology of left behind, but that was really powerful. Yeah. That, that, that definitely illustrates this point. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, as I was looking more into this and I was, uh, I, I was listening to some videos, I was, um, I was listening to one with a rabbi and uh, he was talking about this concept of strong delusion. And he said that the word strong there uh, is energeia. Now, that's a Greek word, and obviously is where we get energy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, that's where we get the word energy. And if you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, um, one of the, one of the uh, translations is strong, but the other ones have to do with working, uh, effectual working or working something out um, in an effective way. Um, so this one rabbi was saying that this inner energia uh, verse in verse 11, this word in verse 11 is a working out of God's plan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. A like a natural working out right. of the plan. So then I looked and I looked back at the verse and I saw a couple verses earlier in this second Thessalonians. The word is there again. Okay. Um, but it's not translated strong that time. This same word there is translated working. And it's talking about the working of Satan. Satan. Okay. Yeah. So you have the same word, but it's translated two different ways within this uh, two sentences apart from sure. each other. And I, you know, it, it makes me realize um, it'd be really helpful if we could read the word in, in the, the original, original language, of course, yeah. <laughs> be it in Hebrew or Greek, because these are the kinds of things that we miss in translation, that this same word can be translated two different words that in English don't mean the same thing to no, us. And, and through that, we miss the principle of uh, the, a pre-existing uh, principle that was there. A- we, absolutely. We, we miss- that, that the Paul, Apostle Paul would have been deliberate in Mm -hmm. using this same word. He was trying to connect these two ideas, this working of Satan and this working of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. He was, that was a deliberate technique, literary technique. Yeah. That's totally lost in translation. Yeah. There's these parallel principles, but that are directly opposed to exactly, exactly. So that was actually a really common literary Mm -hmm. technique in the Mm -hmm. Bible. So you would use words that were coming from the same root, but, but when they get translated, they get translated into two totally different words that don't mean the same, you mm-hmm. know? And so we just miss a whole lot. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think it's interesting. I would say in this case that strong may not have been the best way to translate it, that we're really comparing this two ideas of mm-hmm. working out of Satan and, and God. You know, I, an image came to mind as you were, you were reading that, um, because I mentioned the idea of parallel, um, there, I believe there, there really could be these two parallel anointings going on because there is power. We see people tapping into a power that's satanic. Absolutely, and there, yeah. of course, we have the power of God. 
these parallel anointings, you know, marching side by side, completely opposed to one another, reminds me of a story told to me by our founder uh, of Ezra International when he was uh, invited to a meeting as uh, head of a a Christian businessman. Um, He was praying, and people asked him to minister. He began to pray, and he said he, he held out his hands, and he said this strange reaction started happening all over the congregation where people were acting... You know, uh, I guess what people call it these days is maybe drunk in the spirit and things of that nature. And it was it was getting kind of chaotic and kind of crazy. And he heard the voice of God's spirit saying, this is not me. And he, he was terrified and he quickly stopped. He lowered his hands and said, stop, stop, stop. This is not me or this is not God. And walked to the back and the, and the other leaders came to him and said, what's wrong? What's wrong? He says, that was not God. Wow. Yeah, and he experienced it. And but see, some people love that. I think that thrill of the reaction, the power, and maybe get uh, caught up in it and don't even realize they're not acting or walking in the anointing of God, but just the opposite. Oh, the, the, in, interesting. We could go down that path for mm-hmm. a while because that was another thing in this video. Exactly what they were talking about. It was that parallel anointing, and it was uh, uh, the spirit of God versus another spirit that was mm. exactly what they were talking mm. about in this <laughs> so uh, multiple people i guess are queuing in on the same kind of sure. idea uh is what's god trying to tell us i think he's trying to tell us that it's it's very easy to be deceived mm-hmm. it's uh, to to experience these delusions and to even think that maybe this is of god yeah you know so so and the only alternate the only way to avoid that as the second thessalonians verse said to us is to seek god's truth we stay in the word that's the only way we can know something's a delusion. I well, mean, exactly. it was wrong. And that comes from a place of humility. You notice, I think the the, the, the temptation in this, the scenario that I just talked about would be to, wow, you know, they're, they're, these people think I'm some kind of, you know, yes. super spiritual yes. individual here. And that brings all the focus and attention on yourself. And that's raising yourself above the creator of the universe. Okay. So I... D- there's yeah. going to have to be another <laughs> podcast going down that trail okay. some more. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, anyway, um, so I, I'm I'm watching this video, and the the rabbi is talking about this idea of strong delusion being a working out of the way God set up the universe. Mm-hmm. If people refuse the love of the truth, that would have saved them, as that verse says. The natural result, the natural working out, is delusion. It's just the way God set up the universe. Very similarly, and I'll help the audience understand this, it works in the same way as like gravity. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if you step off the roof of your house, the natural working out of that behavior is that you will fall to the ground. That's right. It's not that God, you know, zaps you for stepping off of the roof. It's a, it's already exists. It's, it's already exists. That principle and we look at those laws of nature, so to speak, but um, we never think of them in terms we, we look at things in our Bible and we think theology, spiritual, but sure. you know, I think this there's something very connected here. I believe so. Yes. I think it's all connected. Yes. So what I want to do is kind of use this new way of understanding this new, we always call it a paradigm, okay? (laughs) A paradigm shift. Our Mm -hmm. life is always about shifting paradigms, okay? And let's look at it in a a current topic, okay, that we're we're all hearing about today. So in the last few years, there's been many people who fully admit that they refuse God's truth that there's only two genders, Mm -hmm. okay? What, there's 150, according Uh, to some people? today. uh, Whatever. (laughs) Okay, and so God's truth says there's male and female, Mm -hmm. So the natural working out of this refusal of God's truth is nothing less, as we see, complete delusion. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at these things and we see we're literally uh, in the news. We have people celebrating when a biological male crushes all female competitors in a college swim meet. And people are out there, you know, cheering them on. And, and you look at the side, if you've not been a su- suspect, I mean, uh, been subject to this delusion and you go, 
oh my gosh, maybe right. not as intensely as the Nikolai Carpathia Antichrist <laughs> thing. Yeah, but, but a similar idea. It is similar because I mean, there here go once again. We go back to Genesis one twenty seven. He made them male. He made male and female. He made them. I mean, that once again is a rejection of the creator of the universe, Yehovah, our, our, the one we call God. That, that we, you know, we talked about this when we did our cancel culture um, podcast, because it's, it really is directed, direct, uh, you know, completely, totally against the creator of the universe, the one true God. Ab yes, exactly. So, so, you know, it's, it's a, like I said, I, I look at those situations in the news today and I look at them and I go, how can these people be, how can this be? But I, I think this explains it. I think, I, I explains think it does it because think about all of creation is every animal of its kind. You know, the word kind there in the Hebrew talks about how God basically means how God portioned them out. I mean, you know, you have bottom dwellers, you have herbivores, you have carnivores. They're all doing the mission that God gave them to do on the earth. The only one who is not of all of God's creation is man who will, who rebels and and would not do what he was called to do. What he was do. called to do, created yes. to do. Exactly. Uh, yes, exactly. You know, sometimes we get this idea um, of the God of Israel in the same way that, you know, we all studied the Greek gods and they sit up there in heaven and when somebody misbehaves, you know, uh, they, they shoot lightning bolts down mm -hmm. at them, okay? And you like to get them back in mind. And I'm going to say right now, I'm not saying that God can't punish disobedience in a similar manner. Um, you know, that, that concept of shooting light bolts. I mean, I guess he could actually shoot a lightning he bolt. Could if he could do anything really he wants, to, couldn't right? he? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but wouldn't it make more sense if God just set up the universe to work in a certain way and then voila, it works that way. Yeah, I, I think I think more than more times than not. I, I think you're absolutely right. God is capable of doing anything he wants. We never want to put him in a box. But for the most part, he has set up these 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 principles, this this method or this um, natural laws as we again mm -hmm. refer to them. And you break those laws and there are consequences. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I um like I said, I'm not arguing here that we have a God that set this thing up way in advance and then he just steps right. back and is distant and uninvolved. Sure. I'm not arguing for that. Okay. I, I totally I'm, I'm not, but that, just that yeah. he has rules like gravity and they mm -hmm. always apply. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we're not going to, um, we, we can't, we can try to resist it, but to our peril, right. you know, basically. So, so what I'm saying is, um, I think God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He's a God of order and purpose, a God who established well in advance the natural consequences of human behavior, well established right, right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this idea of order, Gary, I think we've talked about this in, in other podcasts, but I remember when I learned this, John 3, 16. Mm -hmm. Okay. If there's one verse that every Christian knows, sure. it's John 3, 16. Uh -huh. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay. So when I learned that that word, once again, good to go to the Greek, okay, yeah, right. um, or the Hebrew, whatever, this is uh, the Greek word cosmos, mm -hmm. okay, you go look that up in your Strong's Concordance, number 2889, and the, the word cosmos, yes, can be world, but the first translation is order. Mm-hmm. He is a God of order. He so loved his order. He loved order. his order. Yes. That just, okay, number one, we always interpret that verse to mean, well, he so loved me, Kathy, that he sent his son to die. And that's not wrong. Okay. Mm. So that's true. But it's much bigger I think than so. that. Yeah. Okay. And it includes the very order that he set up from the very beginning, which included those animals after their like kind, mm -hmm. which included the male and the female. Mm -hmm. That was part of his order. Uh, a man and a woman coming together in marriage. That was part of his yes. order. Um, and he loved that so much that that's why he sent his son to die. To restore, restore that, that order. order. Absolutely. I mean, because if he, why did he love it so much? Because he knew that that was the best for his creation, for his, the, the ones he loved the most, his creation, the male and female, the, those, and all who would come after 
would would be best served to stay in that order. And when they did, so he loved it because that was his, that's what he made, uh, the gift, I, let's put it that way. Yes. The gift that he gave us was this order. And the, the contrary to that would be the chaos that we see today. Yes, that's an excellent word. The mm-hmm. exact opposite of order is chaos. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is exactly what we see all around us as the world rejects God, as we get, exactly. we get thrown into complete chaos. So I was thinking, let's let's look a little bit more at some of this order in the universe. And I was reading um, one of my favorite places to read, and I'll, I'll tell the audience, and I encourage you to go there, um, is uh, TorahClass.com. Uh, teacher Tom Bradford, I've been uh, studying his works, uh, his his work for years and years, literally, I don't even want to admit how many years it's been. Okay. Um, but, um, but we've been closed. That ministry is local, even though it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it reaches all around the world. So I was reading some, um, some of uh, Tom Bradford's, uh, um, information about this kind of idea. And he was talking about God created the universe and it operates under specific principles, just like we're saying. Mm -hmm. And one of these principles is the principle of opposites. Okay. So because of the strict way our universe operates, everything in it must and does have an opposite. Like in electromagnetics, if there's a positive charge, well, there's a negative charge that has to exist. Okay. Because they're in relationship to each other. So if there's a far there has to be a near uh, up. There has to be a down, right. you know? Okay. There's a front. There has to be a back. That's how our world operates. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it seems it, pretty obvious. It seems right? pretty obvious. So in the same way, if there's a good, then there's an evil. Mm-hmm. Evil is just the opposite of what's called good by God. Okay. So we look at a verse like Isaiah 45, 7, and it says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all of these things. And you think, wow, God creates evil. But if you think of it in this form of he created the world set up as opposites in Mm -hmm. relation to each other, we wouldn't know what good was if there wasn't an evil. We wouldn't know what light is if there wasn't a dark and vice versa. Yes. Or what's tall if you don't have something that's short. Right. You know? And I think this speaks so perfectly into the whole idea that we're talking about today. When you look at Isaiah's words just right before what you just read, God says through Isaiah, I am, and it's the yud heh here, Yehovah, I am the Lord, or Yehovah, there is no other. There is no God or Elohim beside me. And then he says it again, that they may know from the rising of the sun to, to its setting that there is none beside me. I am Yehovah, and there is no other. Now, if, if that's the case, and we know it is, then any time we raise our... Uh, opinion or ideas or our, our own self, our pride above God and say we know better, then we are falling right into the trap that we were talking about uh, as far as is falling off, falling out of his principle and falling right into that parallel uh, anointing, so to speak, because we're getting on the wrong track. We're getting on Satan's track because he's the author of this. He's the first one who said, "Okay, no, I'm, I'm, God. I'm yeah, God." Yeah. And we do the same thing. And, and so every pagan religion, every false religion on the earth is doing that. And if any religion who thinks they're legitimate but doesn't acknowledge the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah, the one true God, the God, the Holy One of Israel, as Isaiah likes to to call him then they're falling into that same trap also. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, it was the essence of the, the very first sin in the garden mm-hmm. where Adam and Eve were, uh, you know, eight of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, no, only God determines what's good and evil. We don't determine that. That's right. But we look around today and everybody's got their idea of what's good. Everybody's right in their own mind. And, 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 and usually it's the exact 
opposite, there we go, this law of opposites, what they say is good is what God has already said is evil. Right. And that's why it's it's so chaotic. Yes. That's that's why you can have a, a biological male roaming around in a woman's bathing suit and competing against women's swimmers. Exactly. And, or track stars who, you know, who are beating every woman, you know, uh, uh, athlete. And, and, and it's accepted. Right. And it's flat out wrong. Right, right. So, you know, this, this law of opposites is like a basic concept or basic, basic law under which our current world operates. Okay. It's established by God himself. Now, you know, our founders understood this. Okay, the founders of our country called this concept natural law. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, they believed wholeheartedly in natural law. And it was in all of their writings, probably the most famous was in uh, Jefferson, when he was writing the Declaration of Independence. And he talked about the laws of nature and nature's God. Mm -hmm. He was talking about this natural law idea. And he actually used that for a justification for the colonists separating from Great Great Britain. It was probably the most famous reference to this idea about law, uh, of natural law. Mm -hmm. But included in this idea of natural law um, is the idea of, we all know, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. um, that what they understood that to be part of God's natural law. That's why they say, man, man, government can't take that away. I, I totally agree. And I think it's so Hebraic. When you read the Hebrew version of the Beatitudes, it says, happy are those. And it, of course, it goes on to, you know, we, we read it as blessed are those, the poor in spirit and the things of that nature, but it's happy are those. And, you know, the pursuit of happiness and the 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 alignment with, with God's ways, God's principles are all tied together. We are happy. We are filled with supernatural joy when we align ourselves with God. And and and, and it's quite the opposite when we don't. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I like that a lot. Pursuit of happiness. Line, yeah. and, and that's right. And the Beatitudes, that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, where did the founders get this idea of natural law? Um, after this short break, let's talk about this. For over 25 years, Ezra International has been helping the poorest of the poor Jewish people escape poverty and persecution. In fact, almost 80,000 Jewish people have now returned to Israel with our help. The average cost to rescue one Jewish person is $360. Your gift of just $30 a month over one year can help return a Jewish person to Israel and restore their hope for a better future. Please go to EzraInternational.org and give your best gift today. Okay, so before the break, I asked this question, where did our founders get the idea of natural law? And, and actually, it goes back way before the founders, okay? So there were, this idea of natural law existed, uh, you know, way before them, and they read the works of, um, of Locke, and uh, I think even going back to Plato, that there were some concepts like this, and they, they read all about it. But, you know, um, it, they didn't necessarily even have to go to those kinds of philosophers, you know, because Paul, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, says that creation itself proclaims God's natural laws. Mm -hmm. So if you look at verse 20 of Romans 1, it says, For since the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Man is without excuse. That's right. Okay? So so what, what it's saying here is that all of these uh, characteristics of God, his natural way, the natural laws that he's built into his creation. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't need anybody to teach us it. We, we look around. We look around and we should be able to recognize his hand. We should be able to recognize and, and, yeah. it. And it says that it's so there that uh, we don't have excuse not to know it. We don't, is this, the, here are saying we just don't have an excuse. Now, in the verse right before this one, Paul describes those people, those folks who are without excuse as ones who suppress the truth. Okay, mm -hmm. sounds like our Thessalonians verse. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the 
godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since they may be known about uh, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them he he has and and you know he also in in Romans chapter 1 kind of puts it another way other than the delusion he says that uh, uh, that they did not um, like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to those things which are not fitting. And then he lists all these you know, things that we consider, we know are sin. He turns them over. And so their mind now, you know, this is why I, I've always you know, shake my head when I look and say, wait a minute, if, if I call this, this desk black, they're going to call it white. Mm-hmm. If you can call a, a male, a female, and, and you know, you, they just, it's completely the opposite as we were talking about. And the only explanation is either that, that word delusion or here, God turns saying, okay, your mind is just not going to function the same way <laughs> exactly, any longer. As it's supposed to. You're not going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, yes, exactly. You know, so you look at these kind of verses and you look at these verses and you say, you know, God is revealed through his creation. His nature is made clear. His natural laws are made obvious. We have no excuse to go against them, none at all. And so if we do... Um, you know, we have that idea of suppressing or resisting the truth. Okay. In both of these verses, Thessalonians and here in, in Romans, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are consequences. You just referenced that, you know, there's that idea of turning over, turning them over to the reprobate mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that is the natural consequence of rejecting or yes. suppressing God's truth. Yes. Okay. Um, so what happens when truth is resisted? Um, you know, the wrath of God is revealed. It is uncovered according to these verses. I like that. It talks about this. It talks about the wrath of God is revealed. It's not necessarily that he just sends a lightning bolt. Mm -hmm. It's that now it's uncovered. You have done the wrong thing. You've unlocked the the door and now it's there. It's already there. Uh, Now you will experience what God set up from the beginning. Right. You know, you know, you you and I are both Star Trek fans. There's a line in one of those episodes where where Mr. Spock says, if I drop a hammer on a a planet with positive gravity, I need not be present to know that it fell. It's the same thing. If if, if these principles already exist, we need not, we don't have to be surprised that this would be the result. I, I like that. That was Spock. Yeah. Oh, he's so smart. But he was, he's also Jewish. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy, I mean, Spock was Vulcan. But yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's not necessarily that God was sending a lightning. He's going to send a lightning bolt in response to bad behavior, but it's just the way he ordered the, the universe. And if we uh, walk in that path of, uh, of obedience, we, what is revealed is God's goodness and mm. God's truth. And if we don't walk in that path, what is revealed is God's wrath. Right. Okay. That was already established, you know? So if a person doesn't see goodness and truth in the creation, he will experience the opposite. Okay. The law of opposites, darkness and deception. Mm-hmm. It is simply the way God worked, uh, yeah. set the things, set the world up. Yeah. I think, I think the, the word that supports that completely. Okay. I, I find this whole discussion fascinating because it has been a new paradigm shift for me. You know, we 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 laugh um, all the years as we've been studying Hebraically. <laughs> We're like, um, uh, we get a God shows us something new. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think He will continue to teach us new things, new ways of looking at things. And it used to be that that when I first started, that was really scary to mm. me. And now I rather enjoy it. Oh, yeah. You crave it, right? It's like you want to know. That's loving the truth because you want to uncover it. Exactly. You know, we mentioned earlier in the beginning, uh, you know, it doesn't, we don't have to put God in a box, okay? Yes, he did set things up this way. It's clear from scripture that he had an order that he loved, um, that he, he put this natural law into creation. Now, does that mean that God can't send a lightning bolt to zap someone when they, they misbehave? 
No, it doesn't mean yeah, that he I can't do that. never limit him in any way. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I was telling you before we started, I've been writing about this. Um, you, uh, for our audience, you can see some of my writing on Ricochet. Uh, ricochet.com is like a conservative platform. And uh, what's great about Ricochet, unlike Facebook, there's a lot of really thoughtful commentators. Mm. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> they're, they're generally very intelligent and well-read and um, uh, respectful. Unlike Facebook. Uh, yeah, unlike so, Facebook. It, it, and, and it doesn't mean that we always agree, but the conversations are just at a whole different mm. level. Sure. And I really, really enjoy it. So when I was posting about this, you know, they... They were asking about other places in the Bible where maybe, you know, how, how would you use this particular paradigm uh, to understand what was going on? And we've talked about one of these before. Um, this was the idea of, of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now could natural law explain what happened to Pharaoh? Now, so it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But if you remember audience, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Right. And I believe, multiple times. I believe it's six times. I, I think I went back the last time we went through this, the narrative on Torah, and it was six times that he hardened his own heart before God then just said, okay. I'm okay. turning you over. You're right. Exactly. Right. There's that. And if you look at the Hebrew word there, and I know we brought this up before, it means to strengthen. So, mm -hmm. so God set it up just to strengthen what was already there. Right. It, it's not that he put something there that wasn't there to start with. It's just that after a certain point, it, he just, okay, I'm just going to strengthen what's already there. That's mm -hmm. just you strengthened it your own self six times or yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm just going to continue to strengthen it. So you might, um, so what you could say is if Pharaoh had understood God's natural laws, he might've realized that resisting God and God's truth wouldn't end up working out very it would well be for him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that working out of was not going to work to his advantage, right? right? right. <laughs> Resistance is futile. Right? Exactly. Resistance <laughs> is futile. I, that is so true. I mean, my <laughs> gosh, people throughout time resist and resist and resist. And we have all these stories, not only in God's word, but throughout history. And, mm. and it just never works, right. you know. And, but it's just the opposite of how we normally see that phrase in movies or wherever, you know, whether some tyrant is saying, you know, resistance is futile. And then, <laughs> and then, and then the rebels, you know, end up winning. Um, no, this is about a, a benevolent, loving creator of the universe who wants the best for us. Why do we resist that? Exactly. Yeah. You know, so, so some of these um, very thoughtful uh, uh, commentators or uh, uh, readers and uh, in uh, on Ricochet also brought up uh, King Saul. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're told in first Samuel 16, 14, that the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Mm. Okay. So you're like, it's the evil spirit is from the, the, the Lord. So first you can kind of take what we've looked at and we're, you know, someone could look at that and say, okay, God sent that evil spirit. I could see where, okay, that could be read that way. Um, but then you could also look at it in terms of opposites. Yeah. Okay. If there's a, if there's a spirit of the Lord, there's an evil spirit. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be one or the other. Could look at it that, that yeah, way. that again, we could look at it that parallel anointing once again. Mm -hmm. You know, what was pro, uh, what was Saul's issue was pride. Remember, yes, he yes. you know even when when uh, he was confronted about it, he says, "Well, bless me in front of the people." Oh yes, you know, I mean, it was a it was a pride thing, yes, and I think right. that that is what well, that right. was Satan's issue See, as well. Exactly. Well, yes, pride. Yes, it's Satan's. Exactly. Yeah. That's a. I think that's the essence of all sin because the pride and you're thinking, I, I know better than God. Mm -hmm. So that's the essence, I think, behind all yeah. sin yeah. is it, the pride issue. And so, you know, the Bible t tells us clearly that he, he disobeyed God a couple of times in major ways. And, you know, this disobedience has consequences. Mm -hmm. Okay. So however you want to look at that, you know, God zapped him, you know, took away his kingdom or whatever, or this was a natural consequence of disobedience. Yes. Um, 
I tend to fall in that direction, you know, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. And I'm, again, we're not putting God in a box in any way, shape or form. But I think, you know, Saul, Saul was given much. And he, um, unfortunately, he, uh, he, he misused it. He was disobedient. And uh, I, I don't want to just, we, you know, obviously we don't want to dwell on, on the negative in, in this podcast. So I'd like to give our audience the, the antidote, uh, you know, the, the positive side of this, because I think David saw exactly what happened to Saul. And as we know, David was not a perfect individual either, and he he made his share of mistakes. Uh, the difference was a repentant heart, whereas I think Saul Saul never turned to to you know and repented for what he did, and David did, and he witnessed what happened to Saul. And I personally believe I can't prove this, but I personally believe that Psalm fifty one was written in a response. Not only to making teshuva, make, you know, repenting, but because he remembered what happened to Saul. He had witnessed the entire event. And I'm just going to read um, verse 10 and 11. But he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. David saw what happened to a man of God when, this, when God's Spirit was removed and he was tormented. And David did not want to find that same, you know, have that same thing happen to him. So that became his heartfelt prayer. His heartfelt prayer of repentance, yeah. Wow. Because he witnessed it, he saw it. You know, we, we're talking about these things. I think David witnessed it firsthand with Saul, knowing that this was a man of God, the king of Israel. He was, he was uh, devastated, he was destroyed because he disobeyed and he didn't repent. And David feared that because of his sin, the same thing was going to happen to him. And he, he, he pleaded with God, he repented, don't take that spirit from me. And, 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 and as set up as a good example, you mm -hmm. know, for us, because all of us will sin. And, but if we repent, okay, make teshuva, uh, the Hebrew word, um, and, and, it was a heartfelt, David was always from the heart, no matter what he did, mm -hmm. right? And um, uh, pleading, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. It, what a terrifying thing. Yeah. For, he witnessed it. And, and he was like, I'm not going to have, I can't have that. Right. Well, you know, right. uh, Maybe don't, that fear, there's fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Maybe that's what it really means that David had a heart after God. Is that he 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 more of he, the vast majority of what was driving David was to align himself with the will of God, even though he stepped out, he got off that path. We know, but he knew how to get back. He yeah. knew how to find find himself back aligned with the will of God, yeah. and and that's that's important. For that's all of really us. important. You know, I was I I wanted to look at another one other example talking about disobedience having consequences, okay, that David saw, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Bible clearly says that disobedience of the people can result in changes even in the weather, mm -hmm. okay? There's verses all over. I went one time and as I was reading and I was just underlining where disobedience brought changes in weather. That's a great and point. And it was a lot, okay? So here's another whole podcast when you talk about global climate change, all right, they're going to keep think, you know, working and saying, oh, we got to do this, this and that. No, what we've got to do is obey God. Okay. <laughs> that's what we've got to do because that's the way God set it up. Amen. Okay. Other podcasts, we got to okay. make a note of that. All right. <laughs> but you know, okay. The best example of this is the flood. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. Pretty drastic so, example. So, yes. you know, the Genesis account tells us that the earth was corrupt and filled with violence. Okay. Mm -hmm. And God said, the end of all flesh has come before me. Okay. Now that sounds like you could think of the idea of natural law there. It's not, it's like, okay, this is the way it's set up. The, the end of all flesh has come before me. You guys blew it. And this is the way I set things up. Yeah. Thus the, the, the heavens open up and the, the ground opens up. And that's the result of that violence and that corruption as the mm. way God set mm. it up, you know, um, you know, but it also says, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth. So there, 
you could argue and you know, like, uh, okay, I'm going to punish you by sending the lightning bolts literally. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but maybe, you know, it was just that this is how God had set it up, you know, that I set it up. So I am bringing it because I set it up this way. Yeah. Okay. So this, this floodwater thing is from me no matter what. Sure. I, I'm thinking, you know, right now, again, off the top of my head, is there a tipping point? You know, is there a level of violence? And it's it's a no coincidence that uh, the Hebrew word is Hamas. Yes. Uh, is there a level of violence and corruption and perversion that reaches that place where, where God is? You remember remember when He said um, the 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 sin of the of the Canaanites, the sin of the uh, Amorites, is not um, reached at, at uh, its fullness. Yes. I think I'm, I'm misquoting yes, that yes, a little bit, yes. but He waited. He was patient, and I think you know, for hundreds of years had to pass before he finally used the the Israelites to bring judgment on the land of Canaan, right? Because they hadn't quite gotten to that point they yet. They hadn't got to that point yet. Is is it is it that mm. the earth reached that point in the days of Noah? And that's why Yeshua said in the day it'll be like the days of Noah at the end again. There'll be a tipping point. They'll reach a level of corruption, perversion, violence, all of these things reaches that level where God says, Okay, we can yeah. no longer function on no, the earth the same the way. The way I set, set this up. up does not function yeah. like this anymore. Now we're going to have a working out mm -hmm. of that, uh, mm -hmm. of all of this disobedience. This is what's going to come from right. that. Uh, that's what I think. You know, um, using this new paradigm, okay, about natural laws and the way God set up things, it, 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 if you look at Deuteronomy 30, you can kind of see that in a different light too. And it says in Deuteronomy 30, See, I have set before you today life and good and death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. That's mm. Deuteronomy 30. Mm -hmm. So perhaps the way God set up the universe is that if we obey his commandments and walk in his ways, the natural ordered consequence of this obedience is blessing. That's right. I, I think it, I think it's very clear you know, when you look at the blessings and the curses as he gave to Israel. And, you know, Exodus 24, verse 7, when, when Moses read all these things to them, they said, and all these things we will do. Therefore, they made a commitment. They made a covenant promise to him, and, and, and yet included in that was obedience was blessing, disobedience was curses. So they brought that, they, they, they bought into the natural consequences when that yes, agreement. Yes, yes, they understood right? They it. understood it. They understood that this is what's going to happen if we, you know, step off the path, we're going to get right. hit by the bus. Okay, right. that's I understand that. And I'm, that's why I'm convinced that the covenant God made with Abraham had to be unconditional so that it could not be broken by the people. He had to make a promise that they would always possess the land and he would always be God to them. And eventually this would all come, there would be a restoration process and it would all come about. But in the meantime... There had to be. He couldn't obedience. trust that they were exactly. They would <laughs> He's be, like, they would I, I, I can't make an agreement with you guys. I have to make this agreement with, <laughs> with myself. myself. Exactly. Okay, that's the only way that mm -hmm. this is going to come to the conclusion that I want to, exactly. to come to. Exactly. So you know, so you know, like I, I said, you know, you step off the path. Okay, mm -hmm. I think I always love that kind of imagery of God's got sure. this path, and you step off the path, and there's the thorns and the brambles and the you know the holes you can fall in or the bus you can get run over by, you know, and Deuteronomy 30, 17, 18 is basically that if you turn, but if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today, you will surely perish. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm just telling you. It's I'm, there. Yeah. You shall not prolong your days in the land, which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess He's what, so what he's done, doing here is, it's like a warning. This is the way I've set it up, guys. Okay. So I, I'm telling you today that this is what's going to happen to you. It's not my fault. You guys know. And that's why they agreed right. at the time. I mean, there's obviously sure. that was their intention to try to, you know, to obey, you know, but it, it's no different than, okay, guys, I'm, I'm giving you this rule that of, it's called gravity. 
And if you step off the rooftop, you will fall. Mm. Okay. It's not like you step off the rooftop and then he zaps you. It's just like, I've warned right. you. Right. This is the way it is. It's not God's fault that you fell to your death. He told you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, so, so I, I think that he's just telling us how things work in his universe. It's like, this is our instruction manual. This is how it works. This right. is how your air condition works, okay? <laughs> if you do this or your car, yeah. if you don't put oil in it, there's a problem. There'll you put oil in it, yeah. it's, it, it's fine, It'll okay? Here's your, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a similar it's a similar kind of thing. And if you keep that in mind, you know, he's telling us how the universe works. He's explaining his order. And it's that order, as we said, that he cared so much about that he sent his son Yeshua to die for. Amen. That's just huge. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just so powerful um, that it's that order. And I want to always remember that word in that verse. Sure. You know, I to me, that just is very helpful. It's it's much more clear than he so loved the world. It's clear and it's bigger picture. I, I, I like that. It, you know, we, we've so much of our theology is based on me, 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 you know, I personal. And, and yet when you see the big picture, I think it can be so much, it's more meaningful. And I think it helps keep you on the right path. I, I think so too. You know, I want to bring this to a conclusion and we've talked about this too lately it says you know god's been showing me lately that i really don't have control <laughs> over anything yeah. except for my own behavior you know i just i think i have control over things i think i've got something ordered eh, you know yeah. <laughs> not, so, <laughs> not much. so much but you know and you know and it's okay i think that's all God wants us is to be in control of this behavior we don't have to control anybody else you know we just kind of try to Control ourselves. That'll keep us plenty busy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a full-time job. <laughs> exactly. You know, he's established the law of the land, so to speak. This is the laws, these natural laws. And our job is to decide if we're going to obey it or not. If we, we don't have to. Okay? We don't mm -hmm. have to. But it's important that we understand what the natural working out of this disobedience will be. Back to mm -hmm. our word at the very beginning, mm -hmm. okay? That the inner gay gaya, that natural working out of this word. So, you know, it looks like we have a choice. We either cling to God's truth and avoid the working out of delusion, right. or we follow after the world's truth, and as God's word says, we perish. perish. Yeah. You know. And broad is the way of destruction. Yeah, it, it, it is. I, I think I mentioned in our last podcast is if you see the whole crowd, the, the you know, the, all the world going one direction, that should be your warning sign. Go the other way. Go the other way. <laughs> Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call upon heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. The choice is ours. Shalom, everybody. Shalom. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.